Welcome to the Canadian Real Estate Investor, where hosts Daniel Foch and Nick Hill navigate the market and provide the tools and insights to build your real estate portfolio. Okay, welcome back to another episode of the Canadian Real Estate Investor Podcast. My name is Daniel Foch, real estate broker and investor, and I'm joined here by none other than my buddy, Nick. How's it going, Nick? Thank you, my buddy, Dan. I'm doing very well. How are you doing? Yeah, no complaints. Um, excited for a good episode today. Today, we're going to be talking about open bidding. What is it? Why does it matter? And we'll also be talking about our Commonwealth friend down under who has open bidding. So in Canada, we have a closed bid real estate system or there's some proposed changes to that. But before we get into that, we're going to do a review and a juicy deal of the day from our friends at landlord.io. Yeah, this uh, we've been getting a lot of great reviews, everybody. We actually have, I think, about 110 written reviews, which is which is huge. Um, we've got more written reviews than than shows, actually. <laughs> so keep them coming. They they mean the world to us, and they're they're really interesting, as you will see here. This one reads five stars. Great learning show, and that's by Marty Dash 2023. Uh, it says, "Hey guys." Great learning show for me on real estate listening to you from Madagascar, just like the Disney movie. As I am there for a few years on an assignment, question, don't have any home slash real estate in Canada anymore. Would you rather invest in REITs while being here to have exposure to real estate or build cash reserves to then buy something when coming back in a few years? Thanks. Keep up the good work. Marty, really appreciate the review. Hope everything is going well down in Madagascar. That literally, I think, is the other side of the world, probably close to Australia that we'll also be talking about today. Um, but I love when people throw a little question in a review. Dan, I've got a response to this, but I'd love to hear what you have to think. Yes, yeah, so my thought is that those two things don't have to be mutually exclusive. Like you could invest in REITs to have the exposure while building cash reserves. Um, you know, that can be, I, I would say REITs is among the scope of relatively safe stocks. Maybe not right now because of what's happening with the commercial space and lending and whatever, but I don't think anything is safe per se, but it's, it's within the scope of these sort of blue chip dividend paying stocks that are almost equivalent to cash. Um, and so, you know, you could put your money into that dollar cost average into a REIT stock. And eventually when you decide you've accumulated enough to go make a down payment or when you're coming back from your assignment in Madagascar, in this case, in, in a couple of years, you could purchase real estate with, with that, you know, take that money out and purchase real estate. Yeah. Great points. I mean, I, I wouldn't be too far off. I would, I would agree. Um, I'd also say, you know, REITs are quote unquote, a bit more passive, uh, than the, than a lot of the investing that we usually talk about, which is not passive and value add investing. You know, I'd say you've got a few options there. Um, definitely a good idea to build up some cash reserves regardless. Uh, you know, if you can find a partner back here and you can be the money partner and provide direction as to where you want to go. I mean, there's people that invest internationally all the time. So I think, uh, you know, you've got your options open just because you're not here doesn't mean that you can't get some exposure to Canadian real estate. So anyways, hope that helped, Marty. Appreciate you listening and uh, writing a review all the way from Madagascar. So should we dive into the uh, deal of the day here, Dan? Yeah, give her. Where okay. are we? We find ourselves today in Alberta. 
Now, I wanted to find a great investment for less than $500,000. I've kind of got, I'm on this tip right now where in every province, I'm trying to find a multifamily property for less than half a million bucks. And it was tough to find in Calgary, I'll be honest. On MLS anyways, I'm sure there's a bunch of amazing off-market deals. And, you know, maybe it was just a time and a place. But if we drive a bit outside the city of Calgary, opportunities start to arise. So we kept on driving and we ended up in Red Deer, which is located midway on the Calgary-Edmonton Corridor. I believe almost directly halfway, Red Deer serves central Alberta. And some of the key industries include healthcare, retail, construction, oil and gas. That's a pretty obvious one. Hospitality, manufacturing and education. Red Deer has the most affordable housing costs in the country, according to Remax Canada's 2022 housing affordability report. The report, which compares the percentage of people's incomes compared to how much they spend on mortgage payments. So very similar to some of the other metrics that we see used by uh, Royal Bank and National Bank. Um, it ranked Red Deer at number one in Canada for affordability in a top 10 listing. Now, Red Deerians, as Love they're that. known. That. <laughs> Red like a hockey team, actually. It, yeah. uh, on average, spend 25.86% of their incomes on mortgages. So that is within that threshold that, you know, we're supposed to be doing around that 30%. It's funny. We, didn't we have a, um, we had a reviewer whose thing was Canadian Red Bull. I feel like the, the Canadian equivalent of, of Red Bull should be just Red Deer. They Red. may have to rebrand it. Ah, that's Red good. Deer, Red Deer had a population of 105,000 in 2022, third in the province. So you have uh, Calgary, Edmonton, and then Red Deer. And Red Deer is in the middle of, of those two. Uh, the population of Red Deer increased by 1.15% year over year, which is, is pretty big if you look at, um, you know, when we talk about Canada growing at the rate of a lot of African cities, that, that's big population growth. So you want to... Being putting money into cities that are still continuing to grow and increased 2.42% in the last five years. I actually have a special place in my heart in, in Red Deer for, uh, for Red Deer. I like that you wrote this into the show notes, but, uh, <laughs> but my, my, uh, my girlfriend lived there for a couple of years. So, so I, I, know, I actually know we popped in there when we were, um, in, uh, in Alberta doing our, our meetups and it was, uh, it was fun. I actually, I found it to be a pretty funny, uh, nice place. Yeah, you've got some some personal boots on the ground experience. So we found a beautiful fourplex in Red Deer listed at $479,900. The address is 6323-59 Avenue, Red Deer, Alberta. Dan, I'm going to get you to, uh, you're a resident realtor here. Can you read me the description and maybe just a couple key points in the property summary? And then we'll hop over and we'll put the analytics into uh, Lenlord's deal analyzer tool. For sure. Yeah. So it's 479,900, which is, works out to be just under 120,000 a door, which I think is a reasonable price to pay for a multiplex in, in this country. Um, and in this location within Alberta, um, Always dreamed of being a landlord. It says, look no further. This fourplex is generating thirty-two five hundred in rental income per month. So we'll use that as our income for the calculations in landlord.io. They describe it as low maintenance. It says each unit has two good sized bedrooms and a four piece bathroom, uh, deep pantry plus its own laundry. So in suite laundry, which is an interesting consideration. Tenants love it, so it can often give you a, a bit of a premium on rent, but it can also be expensive if you're not capitalizing those costs into your um, income structure 
because uh, it, it basically, you know, like I think it tends to get a bit abused if it's in sweet laundry, not abused, but like it, you, people will use laundry a lot more than they would if it was coin or outside of their unit. Um, you probably remember this. A lot of our listeners maybe from university as an example, uh, you know, if you had a dorm to add big coin, like wealth was like that, right? They had the, the coin laundry and the res and, uh, and it, you never like, you know, maybe it was just being a university kid, but you didn't really use your laundry so much if it was outside of your, uh, outside of your unit. So anyway, why don't you plug uh, these into uh, the, I would just, I just wear my t-shirt and then I'd flip it inside out and you know, you get another week. You're not supposed to it. tell anybody that. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm, I'm a clean person. I'm joking. Um, okay. So thanks for that, Dan. We've got a pretty good, uh, understanding of it. It's a decent looking property as well. To be honest, the outside isn't gorgeous. The inside looks like it's been really well maintained. So, they said we have a 3,520, uh, that, that's the current rental income, 3,520. So we punched that in. I left the purchase price the same, uh, put $10,000 for closing costs. Uh, annual rent appreciation. See, this is where it got interesting. I didn't want to get greedy, so I only put the rent appreciation at 3%, but there is no rent control in Alberta. So, you could definitely play with that. Now, we did go in at a 80, uh, 20 loan to value. I put a 5% mortgage rate thinking that you might actually be able to get that if you went on a five year fixed five something where we've been quoting those again. Um, which feels nice. And if we run it at the current rent that they have, it comes out at a 6.6 cap. Uh, cash on cash is 6.6%. Um, and you know, th- those are the first year metrics. You're making about 7,000 bucks a year, 584 bucks monthly. So not a bad deal. However, doing a little more research, you know, with the rents, uh, as they are at 3,520, that's a 6.6 cap. But based off some research, it looked like you may be able to get up to $1,500 for a two bed one bath in Red Deer. So I wanted to play with the numbers a bit. Um, now I didn't want to again use the 1500 because I like to be, you know, Dan, we like to be a bit more conservative on our numbers. So I went with 1200. Um, and that's now bringing in a monthly income of $4,800, which brings this deal to. That was your that was your cue, Dan. You're supposed to. That was like the drum or what is it? <laughs> <laughs> a nine point two three percent cap rate. Wow. Now we're talking. It is it is interesting because um, I you know like you said that you, that you would reluctant to use the increased rents, but honestly, like looking at RentPanda.ca's report from December 2022, their year over year rent increase in Alberta was like thirty six percent in December. So. You know, and that's the median rents twelve fifty. The um in twenty twenty one, sorry, the median rent in December of twenty twenty two was seventeen hundred bucks. So I think you know, and that's that's province wide. But I, I think that you know, there's probably room for increasing the rev, the long term rent growth, like you're saying. Uh, so using a different rent growth figure, but also I think probably stretching this a little bit if you could, you know, increase some of those so those rents. And you also mentioned that you didn't really think the exterior of the building was charming, but I actually think that this is like it's. It's like one of those structures where it could very easily be turned around to look nice. Like it's it's boxy. It's got the weird kind of like 
faux chateau-esque like yeah roof but it has a flat roof so like i don't know i'd probably just modernize that like rip that off and like you know put some some more like boxy modern architecture inspiration on it and like nothing like a little bit of paint and i think changes to the roof system and it could really really be an attractive building i agree i was gonna say you know the the brown accents and the kind of taupe cream color aren't really doing it any favors at this fully like uh... fully just a totally 70s building like you know what i mean like it's just and you love it like the owner probably thinks it looks sick which is like you know it did at that time that was not, like they're, they're not off yeah, yeah they're, they're yeah. not wrong yeah. and um, it maybe it's maybe we're like almost in the cycle where that becomes cool again so you know, like people buying like recycled uh, purple bathtubs and stuff like that now right so love it so you know this is this is one of the things here folks is that you look at this on first glance 6.6 cap it looks like an okay deal you start doing a bit more research playing with the numbers and I this this thing can go double digits probably pretty easily so yeah and to me that's really evidence deals that, out there yeah and good deals are made not found right so let's make this one happen somebody out there buy this and, and let us know when you did and if you need a mortgage let me know yeah, and if you need an agent in any city across the country like one of our big goals here and you know we have deals happening coast to coast right now we've got you know mortgages being funded Properties being purchased in Alberta, in Calgary, in Edmonton, um, Vancouver, you know, we've got, Halifax. Uh, yeah, we've got deals happening in Montreal. We've got deals happening in Cornwall. Like we're referring people all over the map. So if you're an agent who specializes in a specific product or area, send us a message to the show. We'd love to help you get business and connect you with our listeners. And if you're a listener who's looking for a local professional who listens to the podcast, who shares the same principles in in investing, you know, reach out to us because we'd love to connect you with somebody. Um, like that's that's one of our big goals here. That's why we do the meetups. That's why we do the show. That's why we're trying to build this network. Love it. Without further ado, let's hop into today's episode. So what does this heading say, Nick? Realtor.ca, we all know and love that website, officially launches open offers across Canada. Dan, what does that mean? Yeah. So, you know, we mentioned at the beginning, but like the, the most, and we're going to get to this, but the most clear iteration of what an open bidding system looks like is Australia. So in Australia, it's like a sport, like there's spectators sometimes and stuff like that, but it's like an auction, <laughs> right? You know, it's funny. We'll get into it, but it's, it's pretty crazy. Um, so realtors and prospective buyers alike will soon be able to glean a little more insight into competing offers on a property as the Canadian Real Estate Association or CREA announced Wednesday morning in the official Canada-wide rollout of the realtor.ca open offer system. This is from stories, I think. This article, uh, the new program will see real time offer tracking show up on properties realtor.ca listing page, but exactly how much information is displayed about the offers will vary depending on both seller preferences and location. With real estate being regulated at the provincial level, the availability of offer information will vary at province to province. It will only be available on listings where realtors by way of the seller consent opt to display offer details on realtor.ca as permitted by provincial regulations, a CREA spokesperson told stories. In Ontario, for example, the Real Estate Brokers Act, or REBA, prohibits realtors from revealing the dollar amount of competing offers, but in British Columbia, this information can be made available. Interesting. So just like with everything else, we're going to see province by province break it up and kind of do it how they want, adapt how they see fit. Uh, there will also be voluntary opt-in levels of transparency within the open offer tracking brought about via a partnership with Australian property technology company Open, and that's O-P-E-N-N. In an interview with Stories, the news publication that we're referencing in June, 
Open's Director of Operations for North America, Eric Bryant, explained that sellers will be required to reveal the offer price amounts on their property, but they will have the option to do so. Quote, As our first entry into Canada, we are thrilled to launch in partnerships with CREA to help Canadians navigate the challenges of property transactions processed through near real-time data tracking and feedback, end quote, said Duncan Anderson, president of Open North America. Now, more than ever, we are seeing significant impact and disadvantages that blind bidding creates due to lack of transparency through the entire bidding process. By partnering with CREA and leveraging their online platform, it marks an exciting step towards a more efficient and equitable real estate landscape. The program also requires that all offers be submitted by a realtor who will have a specifically signed up for Open's service. So that's where there's a bit of a differentiator between Canada and Australia. And Open is a... um it is an Australian tech company. They're actually publicly traded as well. Um, I think the ticker is OPN. Shocker. Who would have guessed, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, I, I just think it's interesting because in Australia, they only have, I think it's buyer agent, or no, sorry, they only have seller agents. So the seller agent lists it and then they ha- hold this open au- auction. So there'll be sort of like, it's they've adapted this system to work for the Canadian system where you have a buyer and a seller rep. Um, but a lot of people say, oh, this could be the gradual elimination of one of the roles. I don't know if I believe that, but anyway, I guess time will people tell. Have been calling about, the, people have been calling that for forever, right? Yeah. In the industry, I think, will look very different in 10 years, but this was interesting from my perspective. Um, so the Canada-wide rollout that uh, follows what Open describes in a news release as a successful pilot program in 2022 in select Canadian markets. I'm not actually sure what those are, but I'd be very interested to learn more about it. So uh, one with an Ontario real estate board and one with a BC real estate board, they said that they um, that they took place from November 2022 to February 2023. They were unable to provide details on which specific boards those were. What they did disclose was that the pilot, I think it was Ottawa had it going in, um, I want to say, I don't know, I'll look into it. We can find out that answer. Um, so they did a, they used a testing box to get feedback while the product was being advanced. Um, no numbers were available on how many test runs were done, but they noted it was a small group of agents who were involved. Interestingly, in a realtor.ca blog post dated January 25th or sorry, 15th, 2023, Korea owned website said the pilot program will be rolling out over the next few weeks. And we'll get to the, what was on the, uh, the realtor.ca website. Um, when Korea was asked when and where the pilot program occurred stories was directed to speak with open as Korea does not have that information from Korea's end. We were concerned with in- integration with realtor.ca and provincial regulations. The Korea spokesperson said, so let's look at everything that you need to know about open. And I'm going to try to emphasize the N cause it's O P E N N. Whenever we say open in this episode, remember we're talking about the Australian prop tech company, uh, so everything you need not to be confused with open houses that they just call opens in Australia. Oh, do they? Yeah, they just call them opens down under. Like I'm going, going to my open. Love it. Going to my open. Uh, so everything that you need to know about opens offer pilot project for realtor.ca. Now, inevitably during your career in real estate, you've likely had clients ask how many offers are there? What are people offering? With a new pilot program set to launch this summer, consumers will get a glimpse into the offer process, seeing offers tracked in near real time on Realtor.ca. 
Imagine this has happened during COVID, man. Realtor.ca would have just been, it was already the go-to spot. Now it would have been, uh, the tra- their site would have probably crashed if everyone had been on there. Open Offers, a groundbreaking offer management software provided by property technology company Open Negotiation has been selected to be the integrated partner into Realtor.ca. From what we've already seen in the Australian market, consumers and real estate professionals have both benefited greatly from the enhanced transparency in the buying and selling process. We're excited to bring open offers to Canada and showcase what Realtor.ca integration can provide realtors and the marketplace. That's from Duncan Anderson, who is the executive director and president of Open North America. Canadians continue to trust and rely on realtors as part of their real estate journey and realtors driven research tools like Canada's number one real estate platform, Realtor.ca. This pilot is intended to enhance what they have already built. So the big question is what information is going to be displayed? And this all comes from the Creo website, by the way, or Realtor.ca website. So these are statements just uh, straight from the horse's mouth. You may have seen on news stories about how Open Offers works in Australia or in the United States, but the pilot program is truly unique, they claim. So real estate is regulated at the provincial level in Canada, which means that rules and regulations differ across the country. This also means that they're not taking a one-size-fits-all approach with the Open Offers program. So the question that a lot of realtors are probably asking is, am I even allowed to disclose offer details? Open Offers has back-end controls in the system to allow the display of information suitable for different regulatory environments across the country. Some jurisdictions are permitted to disclose more than others. CREA and Open will ensure we've done our due diligence to make sure you're never revealing more than is allowed in your area is what they're saying here. Hmm. Interesting. Um, you're probably asking yourself, how will this a- impact realtors? We all no realtors. Some of you might be realtors. So what is this going to mean for you and your business? Now, together, open offers and realtor.ca solve the perceived lack of transparency in the sales process and pricing while keeping realtors at the heart of the transaction. So let me explain. The seller will work with their realtors to determine what offer details will display on their listings on realtor.ca. This will also depend on, of course, local regulatory requirements using the open offers platform. The buyer will still submit their offer through their realtor. Then the selling agent will input this offer into the open offers platform, making the data points relevant to consumer visible on realtor.ca and again, near real time. Keep in mind, this tool will be provided as an option. Once the platform has been rolled out in your region, it's ultimately up to you and your clients to decide on a strategy that works best for you. So the most notable piece is likely going to be price, I think, when they talk about... Yeah, it seems to be a hot topic when buying and selling properties. And it does. It would just kind of be weird to disclose like conditions and stuff like, oh, is it is that competing offer conditional on inspection? And then, you know, you could be like, oh, I'm just going to go in firm or whatever. But um, price is really, I think, the, the focal point here. They're kind of just saying it without saying it. Um, so the, the next heading on the Creo website says, is this an auction site like eBay? No, 
the this doesn't replace the current offer and acceptance method of buying and selling real estate in Canada. It just automates the process and and it basically uses technology to make it more transparent. So unlike options, any written offer can still be subject to conditions with an agreed upon due diligence period or back and forth on price and interested buyers uh, and the seller. The open platform just enables transparency and equality for consumers while providing agents with a highly efficient solution to manage multiple simultaneous offers. So this is basically they're saying, okay, we know that Canadian housing market is oversubscribed. We're trying to come up with a sensible way to deal with this. The fact that there is too many bids on houses, the fact that we are in basically an auction system because we don't have, you know, there's, there's not enough supply basically to meet all of the demand for houses. So. They go on to say, and since this management platform, since this is a management platform for the offer and acceptance method of buying and selling properties currently used in Canada, not an auction site, anyone making an offer will still need to complete and sign a fully binding contract facilitated by a realtor. In addition, every prospective buyer will need to have their identity checked and verified. This means buyers and sellers will have confidence that each of the, each offer indicator flag or offer on the table is linked to a legally binding contract. So this could actually get rid of some of those phantom offers that we're hearing about happening in the Canadian real estate market, which, you know, I, I we can get into another time maybe, or, I mean, it, that's probably one of the externalities that I think this would really remove, but that's basically where an agent puts a fake offer in to try and increase the perceived competition. Yeah, you make, you make a call and, you know, I call you and say, Hey, you know, we're not getting what we want. Can you, can you throw an offer in on this? And the phantom, the opera comes in and all of a sudden, you know, now we've got a bidding war. Yeah. And so, don't do that, by the way. That's, that's do not bad, do that. Pra- bad practice. Yeah. When Nick said, I call you, he was not using a literal real example. No. That's bad. We, <laughs> we do clarify that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But, but yes. Yeah, so, so like, I think that that's probably the primary, it's among the primary externalities. I think the other externality or, or negative uh, byproduct of closed bidding is there can be a huge gap. Like I've seen, you know, I, I, I remember once I had had a, a client offer on a property and they offered asking price and, um, the there was only two offers and so they offered asking and the other person offered like two hundred thousand dollars over asking so that person could have got the property for 10 grand over asking and yet they overpaid by two hundred thousand dollars so i think it does kind of eliminate that risk um which you know a lot of people can accidentally overpay in um yeah. It's funny because I mean that that's definitely a risk, but is that also a reward for the seller? I mean to get that, um, you know, it, it's 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 funny. Yeah. It's a, it's a bit of a balance, right? And I just want to touch on something else before we move on here. Um, you know, maybe this, especially with the identification verified and and just a bit more transparency, this might also, and maybe this is what prompted this because you know this has again been we've been I think we've been flirting with this, this idea, looking at our friends down under and the way they do things. Um, and if you ever want a bit of entertainment go watch like an australian auction where they literally have like an auctioneer guy there like you know the fast talking guys bidding on properties and whatnot anyways this may actually help with the crazy levels of fraud that we see in both the mortgage and real estate space so um could be another positive there and if you want to know anything about the fraud stuff dan and i've talked a whole bunch about it in other episodes Let's move on. So maybe the next question is, why is Korea putting offer details on Realtor.ca? So we believe that Canadians should be able to choose how they sell their home. We also feel a transparent display of transaction information combined with consumer trust in the realtor will deepen the consumer 
realtor relationship and further entrench the realtor at the center of the transaction. We ever worried that realtors weren't at the center of the transaction? Um, <laughs> integrating open offers with realtor.ca ensures realtors stay at the helm of all offers and transactions. It's value lies in giving clients a window into the process they otherwise wouldn't have um, and removing some of the apprehension of the unknown. Now, I'm just going to pause there and say, Dan, you and I have worked with enough clients that I think one of the things that we always do is literally just explain the process, right? What do I do as a mortgage agent and why you should work with me? What do you do as a realtor and why you should work with them? And then step by step, explain those things. Um, so I do agree that, you know, getting rid of the, tra- or, sorry, in, in, introducing more transparency will definitely, I think, make a lot more people feel more comfortable. Uh, the open offers platform provides more choice within your marketing strategies and allows you to involve clients in those choices and make them feel more comfortable. That's from the Korea chair, uh, Jill Odil. This pile helps further demonstrate realtors commitment to protecting and uh, protecting clients, uh, public and clients' interest through a fair and informed real estate market while also ensuring transactions are conducted in a way that strikes a balance between the interests of both buyers and sellers. Ultimately, this tool will keep realtors at the heart of their real estate transaction, regardless of the type or offer process. This pilot is scheduled to appear in select markets across Canada this summer. Um, and there's a whole bunch more information on the Korea website if you feel the need to go check that out. So, Dan, do you think this will have any impact on maybe kind of, you know, quote unquote, solving the housing crisis here? Or maybe, um, or maybe, sorry, maybe even solving the realtor crisis that we're also in? Yeah, I think it's interesting because, you know, it could go both ways. Like, and we're going to get to that at the end of this episode, really analyzing like Canada versus Australia, because they're very good comparables. Like I would say from an economic perspective, GDP, immigration. Not from a weather perspective. Yeah, no, that that part we can forget <laughs> about. But I don't know how we've convinced as many people to immigrate to Canada with this weather that we've been having lately. But, um, it, you know, I think it's really the objective here is to avoid those those externalities where there's big gaps or there's phantom offers like that's really it and and this is congruent with the liberals policies that they or or policy proposals in the last election which is that they were going to create a home buyer bill of rights so the process of buying a home is fair open and transparent and i'm going to read this from their website so it says this will include number one banning blind bidding which prevents so so korea says that they're the ones doing this and it's the reason is to keep realtors at the heart of the transaction whatever but the real reason is right here and um you know the rest of this list likely will give you other indication as to where we could direct um or where you could see policy go from a direction to predict maybe what the next thing is to be ruled out. So banning blind bidding, which prevents bidders from knowing the bids of other prospective buyers and ultimately drives up home prices, which I don't, I wouldn't disagree with. I think that's a little, a little bit of a a, a oversimplification, but let's say, okay, I agree. Number two, establishing a legal right to a home inspection to make sure that buyers have a peace of mind that their investment is sound. And one of the things we see super commonly in the Australian model is pre-inspections. 
So potentially having these pre-home inspections by a qualified home inspector, inspector system, we don't even have a regulated home inspector uh, licensing system in in Canada. Uh, so you know, there's a lot of layers of policy that need to to happen before we can hit that one. Ensuring total transparency uh, on the history of recent house sale prices on title searches. Requiring real estate agents to disclose to all participants in the transaction when they are involved in both sides of a potential sale. And we've seen actually, I think BC banned the um, double ending of a transaction um, in Australia. And we'll talk about this in a couple of other articles as well uh, that we're going to get to. Uh, moving ho- uh, forward with a publicly accessible beneficial ownership registry. And the feds actually literally just released, um, we're going to cover it in an upcoming episode, but they re- just released that they're planning to do a federal um, beneficial ownership registry. And uh, they just imposed a $200,000 fine on uh, money laundering, which I think is very much just a small cost of doing business for people who are in that. If you're, industry, if you're money laundering, yeah, you're, you're, that's probably just a. Uh... Yeah, but some other proposals like uh, EB in, um, in BC is proposing like this unexplained wealth order where, like, if you're like driving around in a Lambo living in a $10 million house, but like claiming your income below the poverty line and collecting like government subsidies that like um, they might crack down on you for that, uh, which that seems sounds reasonable. reasonable, yeah. Yeah. Um, insuring banks and lenders uh, offer mortgage deferrals for up to six months in the event of a job loss or ma- major life event. This one's crazy to me. Like that is actually extraordinary that we're at the point where, the, and a lot of people said, oh yeah, mortgage deferrals were going to be back. Like this wasn't, you know, when, when it first happened in COVID, but I just thought it was interesting to see that in a policy proposal. And then requiring mortgage lenders to act in your best interest so that you're fully informed in the full range of choice uh, of choices at your disposal, including the first time home buyer incentive. Yeah. So as part of establishing a home buyer's bill of rights, a reelected liberal government will convene federal and provincial regulators to develop a national action plan to increase consumer protection and transparency in real estate transactions. So to help better protect renters, we will also stop rent evictions by, or sorry, rent evictions by uh, deterring unfair rent increases that fall outside of the normal changes in rent. We will require landlords to disclose on their tax filings the rent they receive pre and post eviction and implement a proportional surtax in the uh, if the increase is uh, very excessive. So, Dan, let's go back to August 24th of 2021. Why does that date mean, mean anything? Yeah, so this was a, a another article on the Canadian Real Estate Association website, um, or and, and this was response to this policy proposal list that we just read off. And it says, banning blind bidding does not address a, su- a lack of supply in housing. I would agree with that. They're com- two completely different things, but I guess this needs to be outlined. In response to this morning's announcement of the Liberal Party's housing plan, the Canadian Real Estate Association does not believe criminalizing the way Canadians sell their homes is an effective solution to address the lack of housing supply. Crazy how you know we just read this updated statement that they're now doing the open bidding. Canadians have the right to choose how they want to transact what is likely the largest purchase of their lives. The proposed banning of blind bidding removes the ability of Canadian homeowners to sell the home the way they want. Open bid, like it is ironic because it does eliminate the the ability for buyers to buy their home. So it's like, I don't know, it's just funny from my perspective. Like there's a two-party transaction, guys. Like let's just, both parties should have choice, right? 
open bidding is still bidding, which is this is my my big issue with it. And they say, for example, in Australia, where they've implemented open bidding, housing prices are still high and continue to rise and very comparably bad to Canada. Homeownership still remains out of reach for millions of Canadians because there's not enough housing supply to meet demand. And we talk about this a lot on the show, and I don't think this is going to change anytime soon. We're encouraged that barriers to homeownership like affordability and supply have been part of the conversation of the election. Korea stands firmly on the side of Canadian homeowners and believes that more housing means more opportunity. They share their ideas on this website uh, and and all of the political parties' uh, ideas. They did basically a cr- critique of... Um, of all of the, the policy proposals, which would be really interesting heading into the next election, I think, but it's at realideas.ca. So now let's go back to another article from CBC from 2016 that reads, here's how to buy a home in Australia. Should Canada follow its lead? It says Australia's real estate system has many consumer protections that Canada lacks. In Canada's hottest real estate markets, bidding on a house can feel like a competitive sport. We make that joke all the time. Canada, you know, the housing is an extreme sport here. But the property game, but it's the property's game and is as fair as it could be? Perhaps not, at least not compared to the way Australia is doing things. Like Canada, many of the real estate markets down under are in overdrive with multiple prospective buyers often competing for a single home. But Australia's preferred method of selling property where buyers stand out front and openly bid through an auction couldn't be more different than the system here. That's probably because we can't stand outside uh, for a large (laughs) part of the year. Yeah. Yeah. We'd only be able to sell homes in the summer, I guess. That spring market Um, would be crazy. Yeah. So the next heading in the article says consumers have more information in Australia. So what do you think you need to make an informed choice when it comes to buying a home? They ask Australians have access to all the real estate data that in most parts of Canada, we don't, um, or they have, sorry, they have access to a lot more buyers can obtain home inspection results, sale price histories, and information on re- recent sales of comparable and neighboring homes. And we're just getting to that point in, in Canada. I mean, remembering this article was from 2016 before the, or like, sorry, just while that Shreb Competition Bureau stuff was going on, which they mentioned in the article. So the result is most buyers in, in Australia don't use agents. <gasps> no. What are we going to do? Almost 6 million Australians, about a quarter of the country's population, access one of the country's most popular real estate information websites every month. So the Aussies are just obsessed with real estate as we are. Now, realestate.com.au, AU being Australia, is a free site that provides a wealth of data to help assess value or determine a potential bid. Unfortunately, Canadians aren't so lucky. In Nova Scotia and New Brunswick, home buyers can access sales and property price history uh, on their own. But the rest of Canada, that information is typically held by agents. Now, I know we have seen some websites that that go and show you sold prices, but those are that's after the fact. This is you know proposed in real time. For years, Canada's Competition Bureau has uh, unsuccessfully been fighting to get more information in the hands of the consumers. In June, the Federal Competition Tribunal ordered the Toronto Real Estate Board, that's TREB, to let brokers release more sales data to the public. Now, TREB is apparently appealing that decision. Uh, the decision was left. They were at that time. They were at that so time. That, okay. 
And yeah, the VAO data uh, now allows people to see sold data from TREB in Canada or in Israel on the Toronto Real Estate Board. Um, the, when you're reading the domain for um, .com.au, it made me think of a funny joke, which is uh, this <laughs> this bar of gold walks into a bar and the bartender says, AU, get out. Did you get it? Because uh, the periodic <laughs> table of the elements for gold is AU. Anyway, you can make the same joke with the Australian domain name. Is that uh, that that's a dad joke right there? And you are a father, Something so like good for you. There, there you, you go. go. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the next one is uh, realtor get realtors get more info than consumers. So like the real estate business is built on information asymmetry. So basically, you know, bidding literally makes consumers rely on agents and statistically most agents don't know what they're doing unfortunately sorry to everybody i have to say that but the majority do less than one deal per year and the average does 1.6 deals so the people representing buyers are uninformed like it's or or statistically less informed and so you know because people who get listings typically listing agents are you know usually the more experienced agents they have long-term marketing systems they have past buyers who now own homes who become sellers um and and so you have this system especially in in the greater toronto area where you're you have one group of of the the transaction capitalizing on the lack of information that the other group of the transaction has um and realtors being the the primary point of defense that are giving this information to their purchasers to make decisions is where the kind of thing breaks down and when you hide some of that information or all of it, which is what price, the price of the offers that you're competing with, um, then you're, you know, you, you basically sh- shut off the ability for people that it's guesswork. Mm-hmm. You basically have to, you have to come up with your own value for the property. And in a, in a property that's upwardly price discovering or where prices are climbing, you could see how easily that just gets completely out of control. And we saw in February of last year how bad that gets in many places in the country, not just in, in, in Toronto or on the Toronto real estate board. So the problem here from my perspective is, is bidding. It's, you know, it is the oversubscription. It is what, what Korea is saying. Um, it's not the open or closedness of it. And we'll get to why. And you can see a very clear iteration of that in Australia. Yeah. So let's talk about the more transparency around those multiple bids in Australia, because property data isn't the only thing that's open there. If you want a house in a hot market, you usually have to bid for it. But that bidding more takes the form of an open auction, a practice that's been in place since the 1800s. Bids are kept secret in Canada and no would-be buyers know what the others have offered. In Australia, that process is transparent. Man, that is the number one question everyone, you know, Dan, we have an offer on a, we made an offer on a fourplex last night. There were two other offers on it. The first question to the agent, any idea what those offers might be? Nope, I don't. You know, I wish we were in Australia last night. Um, over- and it's actually like there's a, you know, and I think in the Ontario space, it's like because it's protected by contract law, like you're, it, it's illegal to give somebody like that information. Exactly. Well. Yeah. I mean, you could, you could use, lose your license for that. Over a four week period leading up to the auction, interested house hunters can schedule visits and inspections on the home in order to prepare their bids. Then on bidding day, typically on a Saturday, uh, Interested buyers gather on the sidewalk outside the home and place their bids out in the open in an auction led by the seller's agent. So if you are a seller's agent in Australia, you better be able to talk fast because I demand that classic auction voice. Uh, the process usually lasts about 10 to 15 minutes and the spectacle 
often attracts an audience who just come to watch. That is incredible. It's so not, funny. It's not uncommon. Like they're literally just missing team jerseys. It's great. It's not uncommon for house hunters to attend multiple auctions in one day, quickly moving on to the next property. Uh, if their list, if they fail to win a home, uh, we love it because it's really transparent, says Melbourne real estate agent and auctioneer Elliot Gill. Buyers can see exactly what the competitors are doing and they can decide whether they want to keep going or not. Since all bids are public, no one bidder has an advantage. Man, when you talk about the the realtor having to be a fast talker, it reminds me of that guy, Dan uh, Dan Lee, the Australian. Yes, I um, love that realtor, guy. Yeah. The road to tosser guy. I'd love to send him this app. He's so funny. The, uh, go, he's probably the funniest realtor. Go online. check him out on Instagram. He's, he's so good. Yeah. Yeah. We will send him um, this episode. Hopefully he listens. Yeah. So, so the goal here is better rules about pricing and conflicts of interest. So, you know, it is funny because like if I'm an investor, like what in the situation that you're describing, it's like if I know what somebody else is willing to offer, now all of a sudden I'm willing to offer that price. Like I've had buyers come back to me and be like, Oh, like after, after a property sold for more than they were willing to pay on paper. And they're like, Oh, I would have paid that. Like, it's like, okay, well, why didn't you in that moment? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, of course you would Hindsight. now, you know, now that you know what market value is. Exactly. Like, and, but the problem is that could create this feedback loop where somebody else bids more and you're like, Oh, well, I'm, I guess I, I can pay that because that's what the market's willing to pay. I'm price protected here. So, um, Canada and Australia both have codes of conduct that require real estate agents to act honestly, fairly and reasonably about their dealings with clients. I'll let you decide whether or not you think that that is, is the case within the industry. Uh, but Australia's laws go further when it comes to consumer protections. Agents are forbidden from double-ending deals. And this is starting to happen in a lot of markets in Canada, I think in some places in BC, meaning they are not allowed to represent both the buyer and seller in any one transaction. So it gets rid of that principal agent problem that you could see really dealing with you know, trying to represent the interests of two people, a buyer and a seller, like we're describing. Yeah. So such deals are legal in most of Canada and result in a lucrative double commissions for agents. So that's the double ending that Dan was mentioning, but they can also be a conflict of interest. And as the marketplace investigation reveals may cause some agents to break the rules. The system there isn't perfect either. Despite the protection, some first-time home buyers in parts of Australia still feel shut out due to the rising prices and intense demand. And I know their interest rates and inflation are crazy over there as well at the moment. The law does not prevent an eager buyer from making an early bully bid in an attempt to skip the auction and buy early. So similar practice here. We see bully offers before uh, the offer date. And just this past year in Australia, they introduced reforms to prevent sellers from price baiting, where properties are listed for well below market value in order to drive up interest. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> yeah, it's basically the uh, the 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 phantom bid thing as well, right? So um, in BC, I guess it is illegal. I just looked it up because I thought I thought it was just some parts, but it is the whole um, BC Real Estate Association that you can't. Um, do multiple representation. So a double end deal. You can't represent both the buyer and the seller. It basically gives you what that is. Um, representing buyer and seller, representing the landlord and the tenant on a leasing transaction or assi- both an assigner and an assignee or two or more buyers assign uh, tenants or assignees. There are exemptions. Like they have this use of a dual agency exemption, uh, form on the website. Um, and um, I guess the the last piece, and I'm just going to rifle through this because we thought we were going to be short on this episode, but I think we're running a little long. <laughs> um, but so like, let's just examine the net impact of this. So surely Australia's real estate market should be so much more affordable by now as a result of this policy, right? So both 
major both country has major cities that have appeared on the UBS bubble index multiple times. Both experienced major drops in house prices as interest rates started going back up. Both countries have massive debt to GDP. Since that article was written, real house prices in Canada rose by 28%. Real house prices in Australia rose by 6%. Nominal house prices in Canada rose by 36%. Nominal house prices in Australia rose by 13%. So in the, in the past couple of years, maybe Canada has been worse. But over the long term, real prices in Canada and Australia basically grew by the same amount since 1970, 332% in Canada, which is nuts, and 315% in Australia. When you look at nominal prices, so not adjusted for inflation, real means adjusted for inflation, Australia actually saw a far bigger increase. These numbers are going to blow your mind, by the way. Nominal house prices in Canada are up to uh, 2,576% <laughs> since 1970. Wow. And nominal house prices, yeah, and nominal house prices in Australia are up 4,599% <laughs> since 1970. So when you look oh at these fundamentals, God. it, it does become a little bit more clear that Canada is, is a little bit worse than Australia. Um, although this could be changing because these, the, all of the stats come from the economist and some of these rent and income pieces might need to be adjusted because we know rents are up in du- the double digits in most markets in Canada and income isn't like we just saw one of the highest wage growth figures. Um, I think 5.4% in February. So anyway, Canadian houses are 44% overvalued against income according to the economist's house price index. Um, Australian houses are 25% overvalued against income. Canadian houses are 78% over, overvalued against rent and Australian houses are 47% overvalued against rent. Um, so I guess the question becomes, it's obviously not going to solve the price part of affordability for Canadians. It could, I think, eliminate some problems. But I'm just generally curious, Nick, like, do you think that opening up, I, I don't think we're going to go full Australia, by the way. Um, I don't <laughs> think we'll ever get there. But but um, I, I think I'm just curious, like, how you think that this is going to impact investors, especially if all of a sudden, you know, now what the market is willing to pay for a property. I mean, I think it's, you know, one, I, I, you're right. I don't know if we'll ever go, you know, a bunch of Canadians standing in the sidewalk in, in, uh, the depths of Canadian winter trying to listen to some fast talking real estate agent overbid on a property. I can't see that happening. I, I think it's going to definitely impact the levels of sophistication, but I think this is going to be a long road, right? I mean, there's going to be the early adopters that try it. There's going to be some agents that push for it. There's probably going to be a lot of agents that are talking their clients out of it. Um, you know, I don't know exactly how it's going to affect things, but I'm very interested to see how it plays out and and the effect that it has on on uh, the Canadian housing stock. Anything? Any final thoughts, Dan? Yeah, I was just going to say, like in the Ontario market, there is like um, that unreserved um, thing, and I think Wahi as well uh, does bid, like does these open bids. Um, unreserved is like this. Um, auction, basically real estate auction company. And then also on the block, which is Katie Steinfeld. I, I interact with her a lot on social media. She's great. Uh, I'd love to have her on the show sometime, actually, even just to discuss this as this stuff starts to roll out. Um, but you know, there are people doing open bidding auctions in the, in Canadian real estate. It doesn't really materialize in a, in a major difference. Um, I think the big thing is it just eliminates those one off cases. So you, maybe you'll save a thousand people per year from overpaying on real estate. And I think that that's a good thing. I think, does it, does it sit, does it stop a bunch of other transactions from happening and, and actually kind of screw over some of the realtors who maybe shouldn't be practicing? Yeah. So I think that as well. And I think that's where you're going to get some pushback from it, but I think that that's probably a good thing. So generally I'd like to see this stuff happen. I think that, you know, the big thing is these policies are happening. Go back and look at what the, the liberal, um, 
buy home buyers bill of rights goes through and think about what it will look like if any more of those policies start getting added to the real estate space as an investor and how you might change your decision, how you might change your acquisition strategy or your investment strategy as these policies start to come into the market. Love it. Let's call it there. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Hope you got a ton of value out of today's episode. Uh, write us a review and we will read it on the show. Rate us five stars. And if you want to work with Dan or myself, the email's in the show notes. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon. The Canadian Real Estate Investor Podcast is for entertainment purposes only, and it is not financial advice. Nick Hill is a mortgage agent with Premier Mortgage Center and a partner in the G&H Mortgage Group. License number 10317, agent license M21004037. Daniel Foch is a real estate broker licensed with Rare Real Estate, a member of the Canadian Real Estate Association, the Toronto Real Estate Board, and the Ontario Real Estate Association.